Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, if you recall from last week's episode, I opened up the series with an interview with an independent midwife, Nikki Grace. Now, I did that because independent midwives here in the UK are under attack, or at least their profession is, because it's recently been ruled that they're no longer able to practice their work because their insurance is inadequate. And therefore, if they do perform midwifery duties with a woman, then they will be struck off, which is a shocking state of affairs when it comes to women's choice. Now, we've seen in the last week how women can stand up and rise and come together. And this, we need to do this as well for independent midwives here in the UK, because it means so much more than just the midwives that we're talking about. It represents something so much bigger. And really to sort of help explain and elaborate on all this, I really want to sort of share how an independent midwife can really help a woman to turn around um an experience, a previous birth experience that she may have had that may have been a difficult one, a traumatic one, and how those women do need additional support. They need more than they are usually able to receive in a normal healthcare system. And to help me show all that and really illustrate this beautifully is my guest today, Hannah Palmara. Now, Hannah is also a birth photographer and a doula. So today we are going to hear about birth stories. She had C-sections and an amazing V-back, but also her journey as a doula and a birth photographer. And we're going to talk about birth photography as well. So there is so much to share and for you to listen to in today's episode. But before I dive into that, I just want to give a little bit of an update. Now, if you recall, last week I announced that I was opening up a free members area on the Fear Free Childbirth website. And this free members area is where you can get hold of all the free resources that I share as part of the podcast. So you'll know that from many of my episodes, you can get little freebies that go with certain episodes. So I've made it super easy now where you can get them all in one place. So you just sign up, join the members area and there there they all are waiting for you to download. Now, there is going to be a paid level of membership where there will be loads more content that you can get in the free level. There's going to be additional podcast episodes. There's going to be mini series. There's going to be mini courses, things to help you on mindset, boosting your birth confidence, all sorts of things like that. Now, it's not ready yet because I'm still busy creating it behind the scenes. But what you can do is join the waiting list. If you're on the waiting list, you will be able to get extra bonuses when you join that normal public people, i.e. people that don't join the waiting list, won't be able to get. And you'll also get a discount on the fee to be in the membership. So if you want to be in the paid level, or at least you're interested and you want to know all the juicy details, then you need to join the waiting list. You can join the waiting list really easily just by simply joining the free level membership. And then you will receive an email where you can choose to click a link to join the waiting list. It's really simple. So you can do that at a homepage at fearfreechildbirth.com. If you're in the US, I've made it super easy. You can simply send a text to 44999 and you just send my name, my name, Alexia, A-L-E-X-I-A. Just send that to 44999 and you'll be automatically added uh, and you will receive an email to confirm that you want to join the free member area and then you'll receive the email and you can click 
if you want to join the waiting list. It's all really, really easy. So that is what you need to do if you want to get more support, basically, to help you to claim your positive birth and to really manage your mindset, clear your fears and learn everything that you can about birth so that you feel empowered, informed and that you have everything that you need to feel in control of your birth. So anyway, that is it. Now I'm going to hand over in a minute to the chat that I have with Hannah. Now it's amazing. There's so much to learn from this conversation with with Hannah because she had a very, very, she's got three little ones and her first two births were C-sections and they weren't pleasant for her. They were very, very difficult. So as part of our conversation, we talk about, you know, what led to her having those C-sections, how she overcame her birth trauma. So she talks about birth trauma debriefing, some of the things that she used to sort of heal herself, how she then made the decision to want to hire an independent midwife and why she chose to do that. And so this, I think, is really important for us to really better understand the, the need, the real importance for people like independent midwives, especially here in the UK, but certainly everywhere that women that can support other women in their birth choices that can help them to have amazing births and the impact of not having an amazing birth and how that can really ripple across the whole family unit. So, you know, she really goes into a lot of depth about that. And also we talk about the importance of knowledge is power. You know, I've just talked about, you know, wanting to, if you want to join my members area where there's going to be so much extra stuff for you to learn. And she really reiterates the point that having knowledge about birth, doing your research is really, really important and can only help you when it comes to preparing for your birth. But of course, we talk about birth photography as well and the importance of having a photographer at your birth. So there's so much, so much here. I'm not going to say anything more. I'm just going to hand over the time that I spoke to Hannah all about birth, C-sections, V-backs, birth photography, independent midwives, you name it. Enjoy the chat. Well, hello, Hannah, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Hannah, you are a, you do so much good stuff, so I'm not even going to try and describe what you do. So just first of all, if you just tell my listeners a little bit more about the work that you do. Okay. Um, I am a birth doula and also a photographer who specialises in birth. And um, I work with women and couples um, as a doula. And I'm also working as a birth photographer at the moment around London and Kent and trying to get the profile of birth photography known up in the UK. Because mm, birth photography is a little bit under underrated or it's just not really considered enough, is it, by pregnant women? Yeah, it's quite under the radar still in the UK. It's um, it's really well known in the US and most a lot of people have a birth photographer. But here people still seem to have a bit of a strange reaction when I tell them what I do. And, you know, what I always tell them, it's very much about the story of their birth, which is something amazing. And, you know, most women will want photos or want some kind of memory of their birth. So having a professional there to record it, I think, is something really amazing. I know one of my huge biggest regrets is not having my birth photographs. And even though I was clued up to the, the beauty of birth after my first amazing birth, I still didn't get anyone there for my second. And I really regret that. So, yeah, yeah. it's really, really important moment to capture, isn't it? It is. It's extremely yeah. important. As I was saying before, people, you know, they invest a lot in their weddings, but then they don't think so much about what about having your birth recorded as well. No, I know. I know. Now, so how did you get to talk more about birth photography later? But I'm just really curious as to how you got into, well, I suppose the birth thing as well, but, you know, birthing, doodling, the, um, but the photography as well. Tell me a little bit about your journey to all of this. 
It really started with um, the birth of my three children because I'm a mother of three children and I had three very different birth experiences. Um, I had two C-sections and then I had an amazing home birth with my son and it was a really, it was a long and painful journey to get there Um, Mm. but it's it kind of brought me to where I am as a birth worker and I just started doulaing and holding space for women as soon as my son was born almost three years ago now and I then kind of did my doula training and just hit the ground running really. Mm-hmm. So would you mind talking a little bit, bit more about your birth and that, that your birth yeah. journey? So sure. tell me a little bit more about your c-sections, how, how, was, yeah. how was that for you? Um, it, my first one, I was quite young and I just assumed that, you know, I would have a water birth, have a natural birth and that I wanted to avoid an epidural. And as is quite common with first babies, I had quite a long uh, first stage of labour. It was three days. And um, when I went into hospital, I ended up having my waters broken at seven centimetres for no reason, apart from that they wanted to speed things up a little bit. And I being kind of just thinking that that was fine. I had no idea that there were any risks to it. I agreed. And then I ended up um, with the baby going into bradycardia the baby's heart rate dipped right down. Um, And it was just very traumatic. And I ended up kind of being thrown on a trolley and having a C-section under general anaesthetic. And I felt very powerless. I felt I was absolutely terrified. You know, I thought I was in fear for my own life and for my babies. And um, it was just very, very scary. It was so the opposite of what I imagined my birth would be. and it really, really stuck with me for a long time. And I, I was not offered sort of a debrief afterwards. And I wasn't ever really given a reason, an exact reason why it happened. So from what some doctors or midwives may have told me in the five days I was in hospital was my pelvis was po- probably too small. Uh, my baby got stuck and we both or one of us had nearly died. And so I was left with that. And um, I definitely had postnatal depression. And later on, I found out that I had PTSD as well because I would have flashbacks and um, I wouldn't be able to think about it without sort of crying or just feeling extremely sad and feeling like a failure Mm. I felt my body had failed me Mm. and I think that impacted me very much as a young woman as well and as a mother as well Mm. you know it's the one kind of thing that I felt like I really wanted to do and I was told you know it probably wasn't possible Um, so that was that was really hard Um, And then when I fell pregnant with my second baby, um, quite a few years later, I um, at first I thought that I would have to have a planned C-section because my pelvis was too small. But they said I could try to have a V-back. So what I did was I did everything I could to prepare for this V-back externally. So as in I did a lot of amazing yoga. I ate really healthily. I followed a method to keep me really healthy. Um, but I didn't do any emotional preparation for this birth. And I and I realized now I hadn't debriefed and let go of my first birth experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went um, past my uh, guest date with that baby and they wanted to give me sweeps from 39 weeks, which I agreed to because I thought that's just what you did. Um, and on the final sweep, the midwife said to me, oh, you know, your vaginal arch is really narrow. She's like, I just don't know if a baby's going to get through there. And this was at sort of, you know, almost 41 weeks, you know, dying, really wanting to have this birth. And and it was, I was just, now I look back and I can't believe a midwife said that to me. You know, what kind of belief does that say to me about my own body when I'm about to give birth? Um, 
So that had a knock-on effect for me. Um, and when I went into labour with that baby, um, it happened, it started very quickly and intensely. And um, I was absolutely petrified. I was so frightened. And me and my husband went straight to hospital because they told us that's what we should do because I was a V-back and got to hospital. And I had a, um, a doula type person booked, um, but she wasn't there yet. And uh, before she got there, I, um, I asked for an epidural because they told me I was two centimetres and I assumed it would be three days of being at two centimetres with that intense surges and I was up here you know I was so terrified so I just asked for that epidural um, and then it was 18 hours um, lying on my back couldn't mobilise and um, they said the baby was in a funny position and I was kind of I got to nine and a half centimetres which is where I got to with my first baby and they said oh you're really tired the baby's tired you know let's do a c-section mm -hmm. and by that point I was exhausted and so I agreed to the c-section I wish I'd turned my epidural off and mobilised but that's hindsight. And um, that C-section was not traumatic as in I was awake. You know, I got to have skin to skin with my baby. Um, I had really great bonding and breastfeeding with her. But I felt extremely removed from the birth process. I didn't feel like I'd given birth. And um, I was very, very sad again. And a doctor came to me in recovery and said, um, you shouldn't try again to have a vaginal birth because your pelvis is just too small and the same thing will happen. Goodness. So, again, I was left feeling that my body was a failure. My body mm -hmm. couldn't give birth. And that, again, impacted me hugely emotionally. Um, but luckily, it didn't affect, I, I don't think it affected my bonding with that baby. And I don't think I had depression, you know, from, I, ha, I was really, it was really great, actually, the experience I had breastfeeding and bonding with her. Um, but as a woman, um, it definitely has an effect on me. Um, yeah, a few years later, I fell pregnant again with my third baby and um, which was kind of a surprise um, but I knew there was a, another baby in me and secretly <laughs> I I knew that I wanted to try and have this have this birth um, so I immediately said right I'll have to have a repeat c-section because that's what I was told and then this little voice in my head it just kept saying to me you've got to try you've got to try so I started researching and I did so much research. I, I mean, I think I researched every day of that whole pregnancy. Mm. And what I discovered was that, you know, having a, a third C-section was actually, a, there's a lot more risks to that than having a vaginal birth, even after two C-sections. The biggest risk is scar rupture, which even after two or more C-sections is still below 1%. It's like not well. It's about 0.8, they say, but, you know, those statistics. And... Then, of course, I had to convince my husband because he was also traumatized from my previous birth. And um, he just wanted to do what the doctors said. And, you know, with this this pregnancy, we went for a private scan quite early just to see if everything was OK. And a private doctor who had never seen my notes and didn't know my history, uh, my husband said, do you think she could have a vaginal birth, a VBAC? And he was like... Um, there's a massive, massive risk of scar rupture. I think he quoted 80%. Um, he definitely 
quoted a percentage that was a lie, that was completely untrue. Um, but that, of course, less, and I knew it was not true because I'd been doing my research, but it left my husband saying, why, why are you even going to try this? You know, you're crazy. You're putting your life at risk. And so a large part of that pregnancy was spent trying to educate my husband as well. I was with the NHS, but my first, uh, my consultant appointments were kind of very um, disempowering. They recommended a repeat C-section based on my previous births. And when I told them I wanted to have a V-back, you know, they said, well, we'll have to do this and we'll have to do this. And with, if this doctor's on duty, we can't guarantee that they will be okay and allow you to have these things that you want on your birth plan. And I just felt you know, this was my last chance, I felt like, and I needed to have this birth. Um, so I, um, I employed an independent midwife around 32 weeks. And at first, I was thinking hospital birth still. But then at my final consultant appointment, it, it felt like it was a fight. It felt like it was me and my midwife against the head of midwifery and the consultant at the hospital. And I just felt that they didn't believe in me and that they wouldn't support me. So I then decided on a home birth. Um, and I decided on it because I actually felt that I would be safest to have uh, intervention-free vaginal birth at home, not because, you know, I was so, it was because I didn't feel supported in hospital, but I actually did feel safer at home, if that makes sense. And that, with that baby, I went to 42 weeks, mm -hmm. uh, so putting me even more high risk. Um, <laughs> and it was, um, it was, it, I, I, I felt great at that point because my midwife believed in me and I think that was a turning point for me when she said to me I believe in you just those words I then started to really believe in myself and my ability to give birth and I had done a huge amount of debriefing prior to this as well of my other two births um, and I'd worked on it a lot in that pregnancy as well mm. and on my day of 42 plus one I was pottering around uh, the shops and I had a phone call from um, a family friend who's a doctor and she um, proceeded to tell me that you know maybe it was time for me to just give in and have a c-section and that my baby had a choice too and you know this conversation um, I was extremely vulnerable I'd been having um, what's called prodromal labor or you know on and off surges for quite a few weeks and and um, that conversation just left me um, again feeling like, again, someone didn't believe in me. Again, I was having to fight for this birth. And so I just sat in my car and I absolutely sobbed my eyes out and just couldn't understand why no one would believe in me. Mm. So I believed in me. Um, and I think that release that I had that day um, definitely helped because I did go into labour the next, not that night, but the day after in the evening. Mm. Um with a few natural remedies used as well. <laughs> but I think having that massive release I had of emotions was, mm. even though it was a shame it was brought on that way, it was it was quite therapeutic. So I went on and I went into labour the next following night on the full moon and I had a very fast labour. It came on and with, immediately was uh, surges every two minutes and in total it was four hours and I had a beautiful water birth and it was absolutely, oh. um, I just can't even put into words. You know, it still makes me so emotional today because it just changed everything, you know, it changed mm. everything. Mm. And, and I gave that to my baby, yeah. you know, I was able to give him that gift. Yeah. So it was it was amazing. I did have a few complications. I had a postpartum hemorrhage and I had to transfer, which is, you know, the part of the story that um, 
is it's a shame but I'm able to separate that from you know the amazing birth that I did have mm-hmm. um, so yeah amazing Sorry, I can't tell that story quickly no 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 it's just beautiful I'm just fighting back tears here because it's just such a beautiful story and, and I can really yeah I just really felt that journey I really felt that and I'm just really interested you said you did a lot of work in your second in your third pregnancy to prepare and the inner work and I just really love to know a little bit more about that like what did you do to overcome those first two births yeah so I before I was pregnant with my third baby without realizing I had myself been debriefing and working on uh, the trauma and so what I did was I when I was ready to and with after my first birth I think it took me um it took me, let me think, at least two or three years to even be able to write my story. Mm. Um, and so the writing my story was one of the biggest parts of, of debriefing it. And I also did, um, without realising it, I did birth art. So after my second baby, um, I just did um, a lot of drawings of pregnant women in labour and I did free writing uh, on those drawings, which was, expl- it kind of was explanatory of, you know, of what I had been through and what I was feeling, feeling like a failure. Um, and actually a large part of my course that I studied, I did fashion media communication and there was a lot of, um, creatively, a lot of my story came out in, in my work, which is, which was amazing and which my teacher loved as well. And mm. it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily completely obvious that's what it was but to me you know I could see and especially looking back what it was I also um, see an amazing therapist and we do work together um, we do something called inner work which um, it's it's almost impossible to explain how it works and if I taught it myself um, I can only explain it as being a little bit like hypnotherapy but you're not hypnotized you kind of go back to past experiences and uh, it's really I can't explain it but it, it changed my life working with this guy mm. um, and I also joined a lot of support groups in my third pregnancy uh, specifically ones like VBAC support group UK um, an American home birth one and I found that sharing stories is massively powerful so being able to debrief my stories to people and then reading positive stories um was huge I mean when I started what the whole thing that started making me realize I could have a v-back after two c-sections was reading all these stories of women who'd had C- uh, v-backs after two three four five c-sections mm. and you know it wasn't just the one here and there there's there's hundreds of stories like that but the key that I found in every story was that avoiding intervention is is the one of the biggest parts of being able to to have this birth just like birth as normal mm. avoid you know other birth uncomplicated birth avoiding interventions is you know the best way to have a have a natural birth Mm. so that's why you decided to go and have one at home yeah so that's why I decided to be at home because there wouldn't be you know time limit there wouldn't necessarily be a time limit I didn't have to have vaginal examinations which was very important to me um I didn't want you know, a a consultant coming in and putting their fear onto me. I didn't want anybody in the room who could possibly be holding any fear or any disbelief in me because I knew that I could pick up on that energetically and it could affect me being able to birth. Mm. So did you get to the bottom of whether or not your pelvic area is too narrow or was that, I mean, because I can't believe you were hearing that. Like, is that, is that, was that completely blown out the water or do you have a very narrow pelvic area? Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to share about that because... (laughs) 
Um, I completely blew that out of the water. My baby was not what I would call a big baby, but he was eight pounds, 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. So nearly nine pounds. But also he was asynclitic, which means that his head was like this. So I pushed out a much wider diameter than if your baby had their head like this. Oh, she's leaning um, forward. Yeah, because I can't see you when they're listening. So I'm just saying, yeah. on, the fir- on the first time you said he came out with the head on the side, whereas normally they come out yeah. with their head tilted forward. Okay. Yeah, I pushed out a much wider diameter. So I did push for um, quite two, just over two hours, almost two and a half mm. hours. And also... I had no experience of pushing, but now when I speak to other people, I realized that I had the spontaneous urge to push, but I did push really, really hard at the end and I had to, and I got, I had to go from kneeling to squatting to open up the pelvis and to get that baby down. Now, I think um, that there's anything wrong with my pelvis, obviously, Um, (laughs) but I do think, you know, anybody with an asynclitic baby, if they're in hospital, a lot of women can end up with instrumental deliveries or C-sections because Mm. it's very difficult to move a baby down that's in that position sometimes. Mm. And, you know, I felt it. It was it was a real struggle. But um, that baby was coming out (laughs) of my Liner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. No, I'm so, I, I know the other thing that women hear a lot is the big baby thing. Oh, your baby's too big. You know, your um, body can't do this. And I just can't believe that women are hearing things like that from the people that yeah. be caring for them. You know, it just makes, yeah. oh, it makes me so mad. It really makes me angry as well. And I was talking with my a midwife friend about it the other day because uh, small women can birth really big babies. Mm. And, you know, we grow babies that can fit through our pelvises. And I think one of the biggest issues women have with delivering babies is their own positions, you know, because if they're lying flat on their back in lithotomy position, their pelvic outlet is so much smaller. Mm. And also, I really, I feel very strongly about how we, how we as birth professionals, doulas, midwives and women talk about the size of babies. Because when we tell somebody, oh, that's a big baby, we're putting that seed into their mind and then they start to question their own ability to give birth and I think that is very very powerful like the language we use it affects women so much and that was my experience being told that you know it had a profound effect on me not just as a mother as a woman mm. so yeah I'm vi- I could rant about that all day <laughs> <laughs> well we, we we might rant in a bit um, I'm just curious now so at what point during this journey through your birth did you decide to want to be a doula then when did that come along was that after your final birth yeah, well, I've actually, I've always been interested in birth. My, I come from a family of medical professionals, nurses and doctors. Um, and I always, I always wanted to do midwifery. After my second baby, I did actually apply to do midwifery. Um, and I got onto a course, but I decided not to because I wanted to be at home with my children. So the fascination with birth has already been there, has always been there. But I, I never really considered being a doula. And it was after the birth of my son, my last baby, that I actually, immediately set up um, support groups for women who'd had previous c-sections and I started doodling, uh without even realizing and then it, it literally ha- it happened so organically that's what I love about everything that I've done has happened organically I just mm. kind of started doing it yeah <laughs> so where did the photography stuff come in then how did that get introduced into your work I mean it sounds like you're very creative anyway you did fashion communication and then you were drawing and writing so yeah. there's create there's a lot of creativity within you already so but I'm just, you know were you a photographer already was that something that you were good at already or did you just suddenly decide to start taking photos <laughs> 
I was already, um, so I did photography as part of my fashion course, although I wasn't that interested in it then. And it was after the birth of my second child that I picked up a camera and started photographing my children. And so I was already a photographer doing kind of family work when I mm. fell pregnant with my son. Um, and it was then after I had him that it just made sense to start focusing on birth as a photographer and it really changed my direction as well um and it kind of showed me what it is that I'm really interested in um which is birth <laughs> yeah so how's that journey been for you doing birth photography how have you you know I suppose attending births when you're maybe attending from a slightly different perspective to maybe the doula or I don't know do you get hired to do both or you know how I do Yes, it started off doing both. Mm. And I have done both a lot. And I think um, it's, it's obviously a little bit easier when I'm just the birth photographer, because then I take a step back. And I'm literally viewing and recording, you know, very quietly in the background, um, which is amazing, because I can also just focus on on doing that. But I also love to do both, because I love, you know, being a doula and supporting that couple. And then there's always time to pick up my camera and to document it at the same time. Um, I feel like as a birth photographer, it's extremely important. You don't have to be a doula or a midwife. But I do think you have to have the essence of a birth worker. Any photographer can decide they want to do birth. Birth, but I think to actually be successful in birth photography, you need to understand how the physiology of birth works, how the birth space works, and obviously how the system works in the UK. Mm. Um, I think it's really important, you know, to be able to be a professional, like being able to um, ha- know how to speak to other birth professionals and how to respect, you know, your couple's birth space and what to do when things don't always go to plan, as they often don't. But when you're talking to women that are preparing for their birth, I, I'm just curious because I really wish, I said this at the beginning, I really wish I'd had my birth photographed. And I just, you know, I, I'm just wondering, I'm curious as to what point in pregnancy do women typically engage with you and say, hey, I want you there at my birth. I mean, is it a last minute thing? Does some of them getting in touch right from, you know, they're in their first trimester, they want to book you? Mm-hmm. How does it work? I mean, how do you find that people are coming into contact with you in that way? Yeah, so it's it's really different with every couple that I meet because some couples I meet them quite early on um, and then we, you know, we work together throughout the pregnancy and then some later. I think I probably get taken on uh, a lot later, more commonly as a photographer. Mm. Um, and I think that's also because birth photography is still under the radar here mm. and it's not well known. And, and I think that's why it needs to be kind of out mm. there more and people know that it's available and what it really entails yeah. so that when people get pregnant, they're like, I want a birth photographer. You know, yeah. I want this for my birth. This is important for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. And, it, you know, it's funny, like, we like we talk about wedding photographers before we, we started recording and how so many people, you know, the wedding photographer is always in the wedding budget. You wouldn't dream of having a wedding without having yeah. a wedding photographer. And yet, yeah. you know, birth in so many ways is so much more important than the wedding. You know, you could have um, several weddings in your life. You could cut the dress on again and reshoot, but you're never, ever going to be able to do that birth thing again with that little baby, are you? And it's no. just so important. Absolutely. And people invest a huge amount of money in prams and cots and mm. other baby things, high chairs, you know, that can cost hundreds, thousands of pounds. Yeah. Um, and so investing in your birth, it's just it's something that everyone should do. Yeah. I also think another part of birth photography that's really important is that, you know, the images we see of birth in the media today, we, you know, it, it, it changes our view on birth. 
And I think if we can have more images of, you know, normal birth, in inverted commas, of real birth out there, of positive birth stories, of real birth stories, mm. I think that can change, help to change the perception of birth that we have in this country and globally as well. I think we're lucky we are receiving a lot of images of birth photography from the US but as we know the system in the US is very different to how it is here you know beautiful home births do happen there's mid there is midwifery care but there's a lot of um, obstetrician led care and there's a lot of women you know lying on their backs with the doctor delivering their baby for them whereas here we're in the UK we're midwife led you know we're so lucky that we do have the option to have home birth whenever we want you know birth center and then in but more or less hands off most of the time mm -hmm. so I think you know being able to get those images and have them out there in the media um, I think it's really important and you know I was just banned from Facebook for 24 hours because I posted um, images of a beautiful breech vaginal birth and um, you know I made a point of when I was back on posting a very not graphic but an image of a baby coming out of a vagina one of my birth photography images and saying you know what I'm not going to stop sharing I won't stop sharing these images of real birth because there are very sexually explicit images out there on Facebook which don't get removed which are not appropriate for children but these birth images are getting removed as being sexually explicit or nudity and it's completely wrong. Mm. No, I, I saw your little Facebook rant and I completely agree with you. It, it is just completely, it is wrong that we're, you know, again, the whole breastfeeding thing, you know, touches on the similar kind of issue about how we, we're sexualizing images of breasts and yet we can't, people are complaining about breastfeeding images. It's just a it's crazy world we're living in. So um, mm. I'm sure that, um, you know, we'll, we'll be sharing all your links and everything. And I hope that you get a lot of support from podcast listeners, sort of <laughs> helping you fly the flag and, and raise, you know, raise the profile of normal birth. And, and a photographer is just such an important role in that to help get the message out there. Because I completely agree, the whole way that the media portray birth is so damaging to women, how they think it's on their back. You always see a woman, like when I've been... Um, uh, looking for images with some of the work that I do and you always just see a woman frowning screaming you know that, that kind of really painful pose as she's lying on her back surrounded by doctors and it's mm -hmm. that's the kind of archetypal image that we have in our minds about what yes. birth is like isn't it she's wearing scrubs she's on a bed surrounded by men looking at a wopsit and no wonder women have got fear of birth when they think it's like that it's yeah it, my, my births were nothing like that I mean I'd had a midwife in the corner knitting I was just kind mm -hmm. of crouched Hello. over my sofa breathing loudly um and yeah not a doctor in sight you know and, and we need to see more images images like that so I really yeah. support what you're trying to do it's really really important so what would you say to somebody who who really hadn't thought that photography for birth was something that she should consider like if you had to sort of you know persuade a, a pregnant mum to do that what, what, what would you say to her ah oh, you put me on the spot <laughs> oh, take your time. I would say I would say that um you know, it's, it is the most important day of your life, whether it's your first or your fifth baby. And no matter how your story goes, having it documented in images is something that you will never, ever forget and you will never regret. Mm. You know, it's I have precious images, not professional, from my last birth. 
and I have a video and um, they're, they're my absolute most treasured things mm -hmm. and being able to look back at them and see you know the beauty of what happened to remember how strong I was to remember every minute yeah. to see how supportive my husband was remembering all those things because mm -hmm. you do forget you mm -hmm. forget the little tiny details and that is exactly what a photographer gives to you she gives yeah. you those details that actually can actually be completely missed sometimes yeah yeah and then I, I've got a photo when after my first birth that was caught quickly in my it was just my little one with skin crawling up so literally quite soon after she came out and the look on my face of pure like the biggest smile that I couldn't recreate it was so real and so showed how amazing I felt in that moment that I I always look back at that with and, and it, I, I'm connected immediately to that moment and I just wish it wasn't this grainy badly taken shot because my heart's <laughs> terrible at taking photos and and I wish it had been a really well taken photo with you know with a good lens and all the rest of it so yeah I completely I just yeah one of my biggest regrets and I just would urge anyone who's pregnant listening to just get a damn photographer at your birth because you will not regret it it's definitely one of the things to do um, and I'm just curious now I, I wouldn't mind taking you back to a little bit when you talked about the inner work but also the you know when we talk about the role of fear and how you know by taking these great photos and by changing how women think about birth and, and given that you're present in so many births how you think that this we can really change birth and women's experience of birth and how it's important to get fear out of that birth room how your fears were affecting you in your birth and how you you have got a direct experience of that playing out and how different it was once you'd done the inner work in your final mm. birth, you know what I mean? So having had the two different experiences that you've had, mm. how, I guess how you know how fear affects you in birth and, and how, how important it is to try and do that work that you, that you did finally for your third. Yes, I think it, it, it was hugely important. You know, it was it was absolutely it had to happen, I think, because I don't know if things would have gone the same way if I hadn't worked on all of that stuff. Mm. And I think everybody has stuff in inverted commas, whether it's from previous births or life experiences. And I do think the thing is that it also takes a lot of courage. You have to have courage to be able to want to go back and work on that stuff. Mm. And that's not easy. You know, it break, things bubble up and, and it's it's painful. It's really painful. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I went through a lot of pain when I was writing my stories. You know, I did a lot of writing when I was talking to people. Um, and it, but it was so important. And, it you know, it, it was important for my births, obviously, which was life changing. But it was also important for me as a, a woman, as a mother mm. to work on that stuff because it has changed how how I am, because what I'm doing is I'm getting rid of all that stuff. You know, I'm healing those experiences and then they, you know, they, they don't affect me as a person so much in my everyday life because the stuff we carry around does affect us whether we realise it or not. Mm. I mean, there's going to be a lot of women listening to this podcast that have had those difficult first births or a C-section that didn't go, you know, that was that where they felt robbed of their, their home birth or natural birth. You did a lot of work and you talked about the inner work. You talked about journaling, you talked about birth art. Is that pretty much what you did or is there anything else that you didn't mention that might be useful for women listening to go and check out ways that they could heal their own births? I think um, I think it is important, especially if you've you know suffered severe birth trauma or PTSD, to find a professional um, to speak to, the right one for you. I think that was hugely important for me. And then the, the writing was, was very important and then being able to read that to somebody else 
or have them read my stories and then you know debrief it with me yeah. the, uh, the, but I'm just trying to remember that you know the birth art um, and then having um, you know having a community of, of, of support mm. that I could reach out to so Facebook groups you know that was massive mm. having that as well thank you and I just wondered if there's anything else that you know given what we've talked about so there's anything else that you'd like to share to if there's a pregnant woman listening um, to help her to have the most amazing birth and you know now that you've been working as a doula you've witnessed a lot of things you've had your own experiences is there anything else you'd like to say to women to try and improve their chances stack the odds in their favor of having the most <laughs> positive incredible birth um, I think knowledge is power. This is something that I learned massively. Mm. Uh, it would be wonderful if we could go into our birth experiences and not have to do any reading or any research and just trust in our healthcare providers. But unfortunately, because of the way society is, because of the way healthcare is, we do need to be informed. So knowledge is power. Go out there and do your research. Find positive mm. stories. Find out what your route of care is. Research doulas. You know, mm. having birth support, a doula with you is is, is massive it's mm. been proven that it can lower the chances of interventions of c-section mm. they also support your husband you know not, they're not just there for you mm. so do your research and um, I'm a big advocate for hypnobirthing I think that a lot of the couples I work with find hypnobirthing hugely helpful to them especially if they've suffered trauma before or if they have any fear around birth which a lot of people mm. do mm. and then I would just say trust you know trust your instincts and and mm. believe in yourself mm. um I say every client that I work with I say I believe in you mm. and sometimes it sounds really stupid and they sort of cringe and it sounds cringy when I say it but when somebody says that to you it goes in because this is what happened to me and you start to believe it yourself and I've had women say to me I love you because mm. I've said to them I believe in you mm. so I think you know, having a team around you that believes in you and believing in yourself. And if there's something you really, really want and you believe, then then you fight for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we shouldn't have to, but sometimes you do need to fight for that mm-hmm. birth and, it, and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on and sharing your story. It's just been lovely. And I, have, I have been fighting tears at times because it is such a beautiful <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, it's such an honour. I love to meet you and to speak with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show and now so if you want to find out more about your work especially those in the uk but i'm sure some people in the us might want to fly you out for their birth you never know um so where can people find you online on twitter and facebook and all that good stuff yeah sure so my website is um www.treeoflifedoulaphotography.com I'm on Twitter. I'm not great on Twitter, but I'm at Love Tree of Life on Twitter. That's my Twitter handle. Okay. My Facebook is at Tree of Life Doula Photography. And you can usually find my most recent photography work on there. Mm. Well, thank you so much. And I'll be sharing all those links in the podcast show notes and, um, and, and maybe a pick or two of the kind of stuff that you do so that people can see what you do. So thank you once again, Hannah, for joining me on the podcast. Thank, thank you so much. You. Now, since having my chat with Hannah, Hannah has received some amazing news. Now, in the 2017 birth photography competition, Hannah has received an honourable mention. Now, if you haven't seen any pictures going around on your Facebook feed, I would urge you to check it out because there are some amazing photographs of birth being captured by these photographers. And the thing is, birth photography is huge in the US, as Hannah mentioned, but here in the UK, it really isn't very well known. And not many people, not many women choose to have their births photographed. 
But I would just urge you to check out some of the images in the on the website of the International Association of Birth Photographers because there really are some amazing, powerful images. But you will see Hannah's image there getting an honourable mention. It really is a gorgeous picture of a little baby just coming up through the water and just such a cute oh, the face is just in there it just makes me want to cry looking at it really do go and check it out so Hannah really is leading the way here in the UK for birth photographers and I really wish her all the best in helping to really fly the flag for UK birth photographers so anyway do check that stuff out the link is at birthphotographyimagecompetition.com and you can check all those things out there I hope that today's interview was interesting informative helpful and above all that you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time bye for now you've just been listening to me Alexia Leachman here on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast thank you so much for tuning in now this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads my video mini series on reducing your fears and so much more then join the fearless mamaship community today you can join at fearfreechildbirth.com until next time bye for now